Welcome to the Executive Minds Podcast, turning good intentions into reality in your career, business, and life. Here's your host, Kevin Jennings. Hey, everybody. This is Kevin Jennings, and I'm pleased to be back with Jeff Henderson, my friend and co-mentor here. Uh, Jeff, how are you doing, my friend, today? How are you doing today? That's right. That's right. That's the Shane Benson question. <laughs> We've been segmented out. How are you doing this morning? How are you doing this afternoon? How That's are you right. doing this evening? Because this is constantly a changing world. It has always been, but even more so now. So I'm doing well. As of right now, how are you? Yeah, I, I would say the same. I just got some news prior regarding another another contract, another client that's going to have to make some big changes because of everything going on. But, you know, I just have so much empathy for everyone who's going through things. I feel it uh, in my in my family, in my business, but we are not, we are not exempt. And that's why we're actually, I'm happy to be, have you here to talk about this. Uh, we, you know, you, you threw out this thing you've been thinking about, about this idea of when the storm is over, right? This, I, this concept of how can we thrive or prepare for thriving in, in a time when the world's trying to survive, when the society's trying to survive. And I know that sounds, potentially sound a little too, uh, catchy and make you feel like, well, what do you mean by that? But Jeff, you brought up something about this idea that when there have been other economic downturns, obviously the Great Recession, um, 9-11, some organizations came out of it and almost felt like they got slingshotted out of of what seemed like a really, really tough time. And I, and I think you say you've been thinking about a few things that maybe we could be thinking about or doing uh, to do the same. There's this biblical principle, Kevin, that I think applies to this, plus to any time, really, but particularly in moments of crisis, and that is when there's no vision, the people perish. And in moments like this, it's really difficult to have a vision because it's so uncertain. And so you really, and I totally understand this, you don't feel like you can see tomorrow. And I totally understand that. But what we've got to do is to go, there are things that are out of my control. I can't control the spread of the virus in New York, I can control the spread of the virus by practicing social distancing. You're in Nashville, I'm in Swanee, Georgia. So that we're, we're practicing that. So there are some things within my control. And so I've got to make sure that, that I just don't throw everything out and, and just throw my hands up and go, there's nothing I can do. That's not actually true. There are some things that you can do. There are some things that you can have a vision for in the future not actually knowing what the future might look like. There are some things that we can begin to take steps on so that it allows us to move out of this thriving and not out of this as a victim. In any crisis in, in history, there are people who come out of it as they've got so much momentum and there are people who, who choose to remain a victim. And I'll never forget hearing a comment from a very, very, very wealthy, very, very successful business person. And someone asked him, what do you hope for your grandkids? And his response, and, and help me work through this for a second before, you know, think this is an alarming statement. He said, I, I, I wish my grandkids could experience a great depression. Not because I want them or wish them any harm. They're my grandkids. But going through something like that, solidifies what's truly important in life. Mm. And this business person grew up in the Great Depression and then was blessed with millions and millions of dollars. And yet the millions and millions of dollars never changed him because he grew up realizing what was most important. And he lived a life worth emulating and following. Mm. So this can be 
as hard and as difficult. And trust me, we are, we've got, we all have difficult days. We all have uncertainty. We all have one moment we're doing great and the next moment the sky is falling. So I'm not trying to say that, that what we're facing isn't real, isn't daunting, isn't, I mean, it's unprecedented in the sense of the last 100 years it is. But we do have opportunity to begin to develop a vision for who we want to be and who we want to become once this season does pass. And one of the things I've heard from everyone on all different spectrums, even if it's like this is going to last a few weeks to this is going to last a few, you know, 18 months or beyond, everyone says this will come to an end. Everyone agrees on that. The impact of it, though, obviously, we don't know about. But... I feel like there are things that we can do, steps that we can take, practices that we can implement that gives us a vision for the future, even though the future is hard to see. Yeah, well said, well said. Well, you know, I think what I'd love to do for everyone who's listening in this time is we just want to talk a little bit about some of the some of the principles, some of the how, some of the things you've been thinking about, about how we go about doing that. And, and you know, I mean, and I, I would, you know, if there's something that you kind of run off the top of your head, you can start with that. But I have a couple of questions for you that I know that I've been wrestling with. I would love to have you answer so that, you know, in my world and in the world of others who are listening, they can be thriving and coming out of this, this time with momentum, which I love that idea. I think one of, one of the principles that we need to lean into are the reality. And we were saying this before this crisis hit, that when it comes to business, this is true for nonprofit as, as well, but let's just take business for a moment. It's no longer about being the best company in the world. It's about being the best company for the world. And what do you want to be known for as a company? And being better than your competitors and all of that, that's, that doesn't, we don't care about that anymore. What are you doing for us? What are you doing for the community? What are you doing to make the world a better place? Now, being a great business is a great thing to do because you're, you're hiring and you're, you're employing people. But I think this is, an, uh, this is a refining time for organizations. This is a refining time for businesses to ask the question, what do we need to stop doing? What do we need to start doing? And when, when the economic engine gets back to running again, let's just don't go back to business as usual. What did we learn in this day? And, and how can we pivot to, be, to help make this world a better place? And you're seeing companies do that. You're seeing people begin to make different things. You're seeing people reorient their workforce in a different way. And this, again, may be short term, but it might lead to innovative ideas. And don't miss, there's this, there's this political uh, principle that says that a great politician never wastes a crisis, that mm. they leverage a crisis. I don't think that is reserved just for politicians. I think it is reserved for business people. So as you begin to cut back on expenses, what are those expenses that you don't need to have anymore? And this isn't just true for businesses. I think this is, um, it's a hard time. Please understand me. I'm not by any means, trust me, in my role as a pastor, I am in this very thick right now in terms of people hurting financially. So I'm not making a lot of this, but there are some financial decisions that many of us made that put us in this situation. And as our mutual friend, Dave Ramsey would say, Hey, let's learn from what is going on right now. So what are things financially that you need to cut back on? And we're making some drastic cuts, but when this thing gets back and we're back to quote unquote, you know, I don't know if life will ever be normal, but when, when we get through this, let's just don't go back. Let's make, let's continue to make some wise financial decisions. So I think when it, when it comes to that, what, what, 
the first principle is how can we create businesses that add value to people? And I do believe that it's a sound financial principle that when you find a problem and you solve it for someone and you help make their life better and the community better, that's great business. That's true. That's always been true, I think. But now going forward, it will be now more true than ever before. So a question to wrestle with, again, and we've mentioned this several times on the podcast, what do you want to be known for in this season? You know, when you were speaking, one thing that jumped out at me is, you know, you know, being good for people is good for business. And could that be more clear than when people say all non-essential businesses must close, right? If you're not included, if you're not included in the essential bucket, what greater definition of value to people's lives could you possibly have than mm-hmm. you're not essential? See, the, <laughs> you know, like the church closed, many churches are closing out of a desire to keep their members and communities safe. But I would have, I, but it wasn't because the government asked them to close. But, and I know sometimes people say, Kevin, you do marketing services. You're not going to have to open your business. And I'll say, no, no, I understand. But just the premise, the idea of saying, I want to be so good for people that when we have a conversation about non-essential businesses, me shutting my doors wouldn't be something you could even consider because I'm adding that much value to people's lives that 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 those who don't even patron my business would say, no, 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 not them. They're essential. We said in the very, very early days of Gwinnett Church, if the if Gwinnett Church ever closed down, we would want the community to rally around and go, no, no, you can't close down. We need you here. And we have, we're, we, we've pivoted and put everything online right now. And, you know, in my world, there, there are pastors that saying, we're not going to do that. We're people of faith. And I totally believe in faith and prayer and all of that, but there's wisdom as well. And so, we said one of the things we're going to do for our community is we're going to, you know, shut down physical gatherings. And that's one of the best ways that we're going to be for our community because we've been asked by the CDC to not have gatherings of over 250 people. And then it was down to 50 people. So we're, we're going to be for our community by going through drastic changes so that we can say, Hey, we're still going to be able to add value to you. We're just going to, it's just going to look different for us now. And, um, and what we're sensing already is as we've done that, as we've stayed connected virtually in a variety of different ways from children, students, and adults, people are saying, this is great. This is awesome. Can't wait to be back in person. We miss right. one another. And there's a, there's a, there is this sense of loss and lamenting of what we missed in terms of physically gathering together. And again, that goes back to what do you want to be known for? And what are you, at, what are you doing to add value for, for people? So, as I look at companies' Instagram pages right now, what can you do to begin to encourage people in your, in your world? And you may want to use your social media platform to stop talking about your organization and start talking more about the people in your community and how you can help them. And there's a balance there for sure. But we all have personal, you know, I would imagine most of us listening have some sort of personal social media online presence and how, how are you leveraging that for other people in this moment? And when we do things like that, when we are for people, um, it, it's not only for them, but I think it gives us a positive 
step in a positive interaction that just helps us because we can stay locked and paralyzed in our fear or we can move forward and take one positive action in a morning, afternoon, and evening. Yeah, really great what Rumpel said. Is there another thing that may, that you think about that we should be mindful of when we're trying to gain momentum amidst this as opposed to going strictly into survival mode or coming out as victims? Yes, I think asking yourself that question on a personal level, I think we're all concerned about our businesses and organizations and nonprofits, and I, I totally understand that. But I think this is a self-evaluation time that we can't miss. This, as difficult as this time is, it's a great way, it's a great opportunity to ask, hey, as I look at my life, when I come out of this, what are things that I want to be either known for? Or what are, what are some things that um, as I look at who I want to ultimately become, where is the gap? You know, we, we, we've said that these two questions what do you want to be known for? And what are you known for? That's not just true for organizations. It's true personally. And so I would really leverage this time. I know everybody's doing 10 pushups on Instagram. That's okay. I'm all for that. That's great. (laughs) But, But I would make sure that you get a notebook and a blank sheet of paper and go, when I come out of this, what do I want to be known for 10 years from now? What do I want to be known for 10 years from this moment? And then ask a, a more convicting question. What am I really known for in this moment? Pre-crisis, what was I really known for? And mm. where are the gaps that I might, if God gives me the time, to shrink the gap between those two questions? So when it comes to vision, as hard as it is to see the next seven days, 30 days, 90 days, in some ways it might actually be better personally to go, let's go 10 years from now. Now, 10 years from now is an extraordinary amount of time. And yet at the age of 55, I realized it's actually not that long of a time. And so if you want to go five years, that's great as well. But who do you want to be financially when you get there? And I'm not just saying, and I'm not against making a lot of money, but I'm saying, what do you want to be wouldn't you want to be the kind of person that when a crisis like this hits, you are positioned financially to weather the storm? Even more importantly than that, wouldn't you be a, want to be in a financial position that you can still be generous in these moments? Yeah. Um, what do you want to be known for relationally 10 years from now? And has the pace of business or work, have we shifted from that and we've sacrificed some things personally? What do, you mean, what do you want to look and be known for physically? Your physical health, I think, really dictates a lot of your disciplines in life. And so what are some things that you can do? And so if you can look, go in the future 10 years and look back, I think what you want to say is, I couldn't see it at the time. And I certainly, certainly didn't expect it. But man, that difficult season in 2020 that actually shaped me to be the man and woman I am today. And I see that all the time. I've seen people who go through health crisis, bankruptcy, financial things, job turned down, um, health issues, all of that. And they would say, Jeff, I wouldn't sign up for that again. If I could, if I could hit the button and go around it, I would do it. But I'm so glad I went through it because that difficulty, that crisis, that downturn, that job layoff, that 
that challenge. It actually made me to be the person I am today. So when we talk about getting through the storm, when we talk about getting on the other side of this, when we talk about, hey, you got to have a vision, that vision of who you want to be financially, relationally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, if there's not a vision for that, then this whole thing is going to just throw you and me against the wall every single day. But if we can say, no, this is difficult. I'm not denying this, but I actually think this can shape me to be the person I ultimately want to be five, seven, 10 years from now. That kind of vision is really, really necessary and really important and becomes an anchor for you. But it's going to require something out of us, Kevin. And this is really hard. It's going to require us to think. Mm -hmm. And I would much rather scroll through Instagram than Mm -hmm. think. Mm -hmm. But thinking about this and taking time to write, and don't worry about whether these are great words right now. If you spend the time thinking about this, writing about this, whether it's in crayon, computer, ink, whatever it is, it's going to help you as you define what you want to be known for 10 years from now. So well said. You know, our mutual friend, Mark Miller over at Chick-fil-A, who has leadership development there, he, he talked about this question that, that you know, that Chick-fil-A always asks itself when there's strategic planning, and that is, what is not true today that we want to be true 10 years from now? Right. And I think, and, 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 I, and I love how that just kind of fits so well uh, in what you're talking about. And I, and I think for most of us, you know, if you're on this podcast expecting us to tell you the one, two, three, four, five steps to guarantee you, you have momentum, it's, it's starting with what do you want for yourself? So I spent 2010 through 2020 up until that point, the first, that last decade, really pursuing professional success at all costs. And I, and, and I don't mean that in like sacrifice, no, I'm saying like I just had no other goal. I didn't write any other goals down. My goals are all, you know, much more financial, much more uh, professional. And it wasn't until the end of the decade, I said, Kevin, you've accomplished some cool stuff. And I'm so grateful for the opportunities I've, I've had, people I worked with. I mean, that last decade changed the trajectory of my life. However, it was very haphazard. It, I mean, it was all over the place. I mean, and, and it had no real direction. And I did not start on a life plan until the end of last year. Like, hey, what do you, like, what, where do you want to end up? You are drifting. You mm-hmm. are, now you've been blessed to drift in directions that happen to provide value, but you could, did not control that. It just happened that way. And you happened to latch on people who had a plan for their life that happened to, and you just got in the tailwind of some really great people what do you want for yourself? And the minute, and I started out, uh, actually my mentor, Brian Miles, who's been on, on our podcast, he and his wife run Belay Solutions. You can go back to our archive with David Farmer, their interview on the podcast. He had us write our eulogy because his, his, his mentor, Reggie Campbell, uh, who's our radical mentoring, had him write his eulogy. And when you write your eulogy at 34 years old, it becomes very clear, very fast, what you, what you really want to be true when it's all said and done. And so your motivation and your decisions are aligned with a longer term purpose. So what Jeff's talking about momentum, I want to challenge you to think, don't think momentum as just new, you know, more zeros in your bank account, momentum toward the life you actually desire. And that's why momentum looks different for every single person who's listening mm-hmm. to the podcast right now. Cause we don't all desire the same things. We all don't want the same things. We all don't need the same things. And so I would just challenge you to say, 
it's hard to to win a game when you don't know what the score is and when you don't know what winning looks like. And you get to define that for yourself in this season. That's a really great challenge, Jeff. And I love Brian. And, 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 and because he did that, he is so well positioned in this time to, to, weather, to weather the storm and, uh, and then be an example for, for the rest of us, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Well, I, I think one of the um, the things I just wanted to ask you, you kind of get some questions already, some things we can use to process some of this. I did want to ask, you know, just because I think people here still have to go home and, and lead their families and lead their teams. How do they help those around them? Because I, and, and I think, and, and maybe even just, you know, obviously put you take care of yourself first, but I am curious, like, how do I help my wife? How do I help my team members? Maybe take the same mindset of, you actually can start to develop momentum now for the future if you allow it without coming off insensitive or tone deaf uh, around the realities of our world right now. I think there's two ways, probably more than two ways, Kevin, but I think there are two ways to help people right now. We've talked about a couple of them already, but first, this may seem a little odd. I think you have to give your time yourself a season of grief and lamenting. We've all lost something. Mm-hmm. You, you have lost some events. I have lost some events. Hopefully those events will be rescheduled. Uh, I'm, I'm, hopefully they're not canceled, they're postponed, all right? But the reality is we have lo- we've all lost something. And it's easy to go, well, let's just move on. Grief is a hard, hard thing to deal with, especially if you don't deal with it, it'll, mm-hmm. it'll crop up. And what, if you don't deal with grief, what happens is, is the emotions vary and they drive you and they impact the people that are closest to you. Mm. So one of the things that you have to do is you need to count the cost. What is it that you have lost in this season? And that seems so obvious, but it's not. You have to ask these questions. So if someone is listening and they've lost their job, I would say, what would you, what have you lost? Well, I've lost my job. Okay. With your job, what have you lost? Well, I've lost income. How much income have you lost? And we need to get really specific and count all the costs so that you can grieve that, you can lament that, you can actually mourn over that. And it's just like the loss of a loved one. If you don't grieve that well, it will impact the relationships in your life. Hands down, no question. You don't need me to tell you that. There's there's research after research, counselor after counselor that will say, if you don't grieve well, it will punish you. Mm. And so I would make sure that we're doing really well. And I think this is a daily basis is to write things out that we feel like we're losing and to write things out that we feel like we have lost and look at it and lament and mourn that. That is a very healthy thing to do. Mm -hmm. Once you do that, I think it helps you become a more emotionally sensitive leader and being aware of how you are doing emotionally. Mm-hmm. And so that could be a morning, a night, whatever it looks like for you. But I, and again, I know not everybody is a journaler, but I do think journaling is important in this season because I do would, I would encourage everybody to write all your emotions down, all of it down, so that 10 years from now, you can look back and read what you wrote and to see how I believe God was leading you the whole way. So I think you got to grieve and lament this season really well, because if not, it's going to impact the people closest to you. The second thing that we can do in terms of being for others and to care for others is I think we have to have an air of being calm, being a calm leader, being a calm 
husband or wife, being a calm parent, being, that doesn't mean that we're denying the crisis. Doesn't mean that we're putting our head in the sands, not any of that. It's saying, Hey, I'm going to be calm because in history, calm leaders have made the best decisions. Mm -hmm. And I, I love the poem by Kipling, if that says, if you can keep your head while everyone else is losing theirs. And so in this season, I would try to make sure that you lament, that you have a vision, and that's going to lead you to being a calm leader, especially for those of you that lead a team right now. They're looking, they're looking for how is she really feeling in this moment? Um, they're trying to read between the lines. Are you worried? Are you anxious? And it's not, I'm not saying it's wrong to go, hey, I'm, I'm scared. I'm afraid. But I do think we need to be calm leaders. I was reading this book, this example last night of Norman Schwarzkopf, the, the great general. And there's this, you know, he's literally in battle and people are, you know, bombs blowing all over the place and people are losing their minds. And he was like, he just said, hey guys, we're going to get through this. Just trust me. In that moment, with all of this stuff going around, he was the one that stood up and, and was calm in the moment. Now, did he need to make decisions? Yes. Did he make some quick decisions? Yes. But what gave everyone confidence was here's a guy that thinks we're going to get out of this. Mm -hmm. And that kind of calm approach is what is needed right now in a crisis like this. And again, it's not denying every, anything. It's not denying the downturn. It's not denying, hey, you know, in Chick-fil-A since we've had to close down mall restaurants, we've had to close down the dining room. That's reality. But the calmness of, but we're going to get through this and we are taking some steps. So I think what you can do for your family, for your friends, for your community, for your organization is to develop a 10-year vision, a five-year vision to know where you're going to, where, where, where do you ultimately personally want to go? Because again, a 10-year vision for your business right now, that seems ridiculous. It's not ridiculous for you personally. Who do you want to be 10 years from now? Secondly, I think you do need to lament and to mourn and count what, it, what, it, what has been taken away from you right now and get really specific. And some of the things that you'll discover, by the way, that have been taken away from you might be taken away from you for a short period of time. Sure. But you're, you could be reacting like it's been taken away from you forever. And sure. then the persons or the people rather that that impacts are the people right around you because that grief turns to fear and that fear turns to anger and that anger is directed at the people that are most closest to you. And then thirdly, again, the best gift that you can give the people around you, I think is calm leadership to go, Hey, we're going to get through this. I don't know how, but we're going to get through this. I believe in us. I believe in you. I believe in what we're going to do. We're going to get through this. Is it going to be painful? Probably so, but I believe it's going to be temporary and I believe we're going to come out of this better. Now we don't have to do that. We can go to the sky is falling and maybe the sky is falling. But as for me, Kev, I'm going to, if I'm going to go out, I'm going to go out believing that it's going to get better. Yeah. Because sure. if you, if you, if you have one of two options, if you want to go out thinking this is it, it's over, nothing good can come out of this. You're exactly correct. Um, if you go, you know what? I, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be as emotionally healthy as I can. I'm going to lament. I'm going to count the cost. I'm going to have a vision and I'm going to be calm because I think we're going to get out of this. I think you will. Ironically, uh, Don, Don Miller from StoryBrand, another mutual friend of ours, he recently posted on Instagram. He said, if you look at all stories, there's usually four characters. There's the victim. There's the villain. There's the hero. There's the guide. 
is if you actually pay attention to it and every story you've ever, you remember the villain, you remember the guy, you remember the hero, he said, the victim is literally there to set up tension. He said, the victim is actually the most forgotten character in every story you've ever read, right? Usually they're extras, right? If you go to a movie, the victim who the cops on Bad Boys or Die Hard or pick your favorite action movies. It's, yeah, it's the guys on Star Trek that you know are about to get killed. Right, right. They, they, they don't, they, they don't, the stars aren't, but it's just the extras <laughs> exactly, around Exactly, right? They don't, even, they, don't, they, don't even give them their, they don't even give them a name right. sometimes, depending on the character. He said, that is, he said, that is our opportunity. He said, playing a victim actually surrenders our power in a story because we're waiting to be saved. He said, and he, he said, villains are victims that have chosen to retaliate and affect others because of the pain they experienced. Heroes have typically chosen to respond positively because of the pain they've experienced. I mean, I, there's, a, there's actually a, a very famous strategic planning process called a Stratop. And in it, one of the exercises that, that Peter Drucker and some of those people who kind of develops over time, they have an exercise called turning points. They actually want organizations to, like, let's, let's write down turning points in our history, turning points. And almost all of them are birthed out of some challenge, some pain, some situation. And so, you know, so, and I, I would, as Don did on Instagram, that, that it was really just spoke to me. I want to challenge you to be a hero and be a guide, you know, like, obviously be both in this moment, because in some place you have to be a hero, some place in your family right now or in your team, you can't afford to quote unquote, just guide. You mm -hmm. might actually step to the plate and put some fires out yourself, roll your sleeves up and get dirty, but do your best to stay on that side because truthfully victims are waiting for someone to save them. And, and they're, and really what they're doing is themselves vulnerable for another villain to step in and do whatever they're going to do. But that just really hit me that victims are usually the most forgotten character in any story. Uh, it's usually the villain or the hero or the guide. And I'm like, man, what a powerful uh, visual for all of us today. I agree. And to think of this moment as a movie, if you will, as a story that you get to write, and I can either play the the nondescript guy on Star Trek that's going to get killed because nobody knows who he is, <laughs> or I'm going to be Captain Kirk, and I'm going to be the hero in this moment. You actually have the pen in your hands to some extent, all right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. To some extent, you have the pen in your hands. So what would a hero mm. in your story do? Mm. Do that. It, it reminds me of a great leadership question. In this moment, what would a great leader do? Figure that out and then just do that. So in this moment, you know, and ironically, I'm not really that big of a Star Trek fan, but in this moment, you know, what would Captain Kirk do? What in this moment, what would a hero do in this moment? Don't play the victim, play the hero. And if you got to go out, I'm going to go swinging as a hero versus uh, swinging as a victim. Yeah, really well said. Well, hey, we want to thank you for joining this podcast today. I mean, I said, we understand uh, the realities of life right now. And, and I think it is going to be hard. I mean, I, what Jeff said eloquently, we understand to give yourself permission to think about the future in a, with a vision and uncertainty feels like the hardest thing to do today when this is still so new and so developing. You might not feel you even hit rock bottom yet. You feel like you're still on the way down. You don't even know what, what you're trying to plan for. But here's the thing. This is what leaders have always done. What leaders have always done throughout history is develop a vision 
when there, when no one else could see it, when uncertainty and dysfunction were so rampant, that's why it worked. Because they called us to visions in times where there seemed like there was no alternative. You know, the whole idea of I have a dream and what Martin Luther King did, I mean, the environment was not ripe for him to have that vision. In fact, many people wrote him off as a person who made no sense. Yes, we can celebrate him today, but those at the time, he literally made no sense to many. He seemed like a crazy person to say what he said, but that vision that compelled people to believe that something that different, that better was still possible. Um, so Jeff, we really want to thank you for, for sharing with us today. And we want to thank you for joining us. Please subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, follow us on Spotify, wherever you enjoy your podcast. We'd love for you to join the Mentor Network. Uh, so if you go to wearementor.co, uh, wearementor.co, you can click on join the network. We'll give you a 30-day free trial. We want to help you. We don't want to leave you in a spot where there's no one to process challenges with. There's no one to ask questions to. We are doing this for and with you. And we would love the opportunity uh, to be in your corner and connect you with other people that can be in your corner during this time. So until then, we look forward to having you join us next time on another episode of the Executive Minds Podcast.